Welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation Capital, a pre-seed venture firm. We invest in amazing technical teams in New York at the infancy of an idea. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. This season is sponsored by our friends at Silicon Valley Bank, a member of the FDIC. SVB is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors with a dedicated practice for emerging managers. Learn more about Silicon Valley Bank services at svb.com. Hunter Walk is a co-founder and partner at Homebrew, a seed stage venture capital firm investing in the bottoms up economy. He previously was head of product at YouTube and before that head of product and on the founding team of Second Life. He's an active blogger and you can find him on Twitter at Homebrew or at Hunter Walk. What's up, Hunter? Hey guys. What's Hi, going you. on? Welcome. Should we set the scene for people? They yeah. can't see that beard, but it is. It's my impressive. rally beard. I usually really shave good. every two to three weeks. This is six weeks of growth. I'm not sure uh, when people will listen to this, but right now as we're taping it, it's about a month till the election. Oh, is that what the rally's about? The yeah, rally. And I'm going to sure. either, day after the election, I'm either shaving or never shaving again. God. <laughs> I mean, I really, I, 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 I worry for the never shaving again world, but I kind of want to see it actually well, like a year from now. That's either so I can pass as Canadian or yeah. Uh, yeah. or walk the streets with an end is near sign. It, it'll good. serve you well in the, you know, your shack in the woods. Exactly. Um, it might make it harder to raise fund three. I think I know what the LPs want for me. Okay. They want a little wild. Okay. <laughs> I'm the X factor. Love it. Sacha. Love it. Stable. Uh-huh. He's got some Rational. beard. I'm, I'm staying short. I'm the X factor. <laughs> He's got some beard growth though. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Is that a part of the? Is that a part I, of the homebrew? He has. Yeah. Site? He, no, we we share facial hair. Okay. Good, uh, good. We share a bedroom when we travel, and we share facial hair. I have a homebrew tattoo. He doesn't. Um, what? You didn't know that? Where's the commitment? Oh, okay. You, you knew I did. You just didn't know he did. Yeah. He doesn't. That's Let's okay. see it. It's my thing. <laughs> it's it's on my right shoulder. I'm, um, I couldn't tell if that was fake or not. I feel no, like it's real. Between. It's real. Yeah. I've never wow. used it to win a deal, but it'll come out of some. Hold it in reserve. Yeah. You think you're committed? This is commitment. Do you guys actually share a room when you travel? Yeah, because we don't travel much. Uh, and when we do... Uh, like a hotel room. It's like, yeah, we like yeah. hanging out. We, do we like too. each other. Yeah. We do too. Yeah. <laughs> we've, 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 uh, we've gone above and beyond recently and gotten the ho- uh, Airbnb in Oakland mm-hmm. where we each have our own separate bedrooms. Very luxurious. But you are uh, ready for fun too. Yeah, but usually we do we do the hotel room. Um, okay, Hunter, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Of course. Uh, we're really excited to have you. Um, could you uh, just give us brief background um, pre-homebrew? Absolutely. Um, so we're taping this in New York, where I'm originally from. Uh, moved out west uh, for grad school, uh, and then uh, was sort of birthed into, you know, Internet 1.0 in 2000. Um, I emerged from grad school with sort of a better understanding of myself, um, which included sort of like how was I going to make career decisions, and what I decided was. I wanted to work on projects that I'd be happy to put on my tombstone, right? They were sort of representative of who I was, not just kind of a job. Um, I wanted to look for opportunities where I thought like I could uniquely make a difference. Um, and I didn't want to separate personal and professional. So like what you got was what you got. Um, and that led me to, um, uh, I got introduced to this guy, Philip Rosedale, who was starting a virtual world project called Second Life. And it was him and a few engineers. And I came on as sort of the first non-engineer um, I had been excited about what technology, how technology was changing play and changing creativity mm-hmm. from sort of a, you know, offline consumption experience to an online creative one. Um, so I was there for about three years, did a little bit of everything, um, got the product launched and then, um, it was clear, you know, it's, it's still around today. It's profitable. I, I like to joke that second life is more profitable than Twitter's ever been. Um, mm. uh, and, uh, the although uh, investors have made uh, slightly less than the early investors on Twitter, um, <laughs> and did that for three years, got it launched. I'm big into phases. Like I think if you're going to sign up for an operating role, you got to be there through a phase. So mm-hmm. I finished that phase. Um, we were growing a little bit slower than we had originally anticipated, and this was like um, for folks for folks who are my age, 
they might remember Second Life was, you know, was hot stuff for a little while. So this was before that and like before. What Benchmark. age is that? That's old. Yeah, it's old. Right. Okay. Uh, there's gray There's gray in my beard, as okay. we talked about. Uh, Benchmark invested, but that was like sort of, I was pre-institutional funding. Okay. And so I wanted to, uh, we shrank from like 30 to 20 people. It seemed like a good time for me to leave. And I wanted to work on something that would touch, you know, had the potential to touch hundreds of millions of people. Um, social networking was taking off. I was sort of starting to talk to like Mark Pincus at Tribe and Jonathan at Friendster, but the Google folks got their hands on me, not so much for social stuff, um, but um, started working on AdSense for a few years. And that's where I met my, my mm. now business partner, Sacha. Oh. So basically had nine years at Google, three working on Mountain, uh, working in Mountain View on AdSense, um, which I saw as sort of, you know, if I was interested in creative economy, I saw that as a like very effective monetization tool for the creative economy. Right. And then um, post the YouTube acquisition, um, was uh, unintentionally fortunate enough to go over there and um, ran the product team there for a few years. Um, I well, was yeah, thinking about leaving. Sacha was running product at Twitter. He left. Um, and I said, hey, remember, we always wanted to work together again. We should start talking about that now. What was Satya doing at Google? Did so, you guys work directly yeah. together? So Google? he worked okay. on AdSense as well. We actually spent the first year working together on the business side of the house and then ended up transferring over to product on the same day. Um, oh. So we worked then for the next sort of two years uh, under Susan Wojcicki, um, uh, who was sort of famously the person whose uh, garage Google started in. Right. Um, and then at the beginning of 20, 2007, uh, when I went over to YouTube, he left Google to go back into venture uh, for four years. He was a partner at Battery uh, Ventures doing um, their early stage investing. Um, in SF. In SF, yeah. 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 So he did that for about four years. Then um, both sort of a little bit of the you know, itch to operate, but much more so like he got kind of the call of like, hey, we need you. Mm. <laughs> and so he went over to be sort of, I think the first product lead at Twitter post um, Jason Goldman, mm -hmm. um, who was sort of one of the original guys. And, um, you know, as is sort of now legendary, um, right. the, the Spinal Tap expo exploding drummer seat, um, I think he sat in the seat the longest before it exploded, uh, <laughs> right. 18 months. Um, and after that was when we started talking about working together. Did you guys have a sense that you wanted to work together in the future when you were at Google or did it just sort of come together much later? We had always, you know, I mean, you know, there's sort of two types of folks. There's folks who are like, oh, if I did something again, like maybe I'd hire that person or something mm -hmm. like that. And then there's a smaller set of people who are like, hmm, maybe at some point, like we'll start something. Mm -hmm. And Sacha was on that, you know, on that list for me. Um, and so in the interim, while I was at YouTube and he was um, at Battery and at Twitter, like, you know, there were always sort of uh, like glancing blows, but not really a time to do it. Like he was like, if you ever want to be an EIR at Battery, like there's a right. seat open for you. If you want to come to Twitter and help me out, like, you know, you don't have to have anyone. I know, I know you don't, I know you're tired of having people report to you. Like you don't have to have anyone report to you. Like just come here and help us out. And I was like, right. nah, I really like what I'm doing, you know? Um, so it was a, um, I think the first thing that had to sort of line up was timing. Um, we both, you know, went through phases where we really enjoyed what we were doing and had to find the right time where we were both thinking about something new. Um, and then went through sort of a, what ultimately ended up being kind of like a three month process to spend a month talking about, um, what would it mean to work together? Why did we want to work together? What did we learn about ourselves in the interim since we'd worked together? Were we making a three to five year commitment or a 20 year commitment? Like, you know, were we trying to figure out what, what we wanted to do together? Um, what were some of the things that you did to figure those things out other than moonlight long walks? Right. I mean, I think yeah. we've always... He and I have always been, uh, you know, like, I think we both have a pretty strong sense of ourselves and we're also kind of like no bullshit, just like talk stuff out. And so, um, you know, we just spent um, time talking about, you know, what was going on in the world that excited us, what personally and professionally we felt like we had accomplished, what would those things allow us to do next or what things had we not yet accomplished yet that we wanted to do. Um, you know, we're upfront about kind of the commitment that we would make to each other, you know, uh, how, uh, like material success, like money did or didn't factor into what we wanted to do next, all that type of stuff. And that month we basically didn't talk about, you know, oh, should we start a company? Should we do a fund? Should we do a studio? Should we do that? I mean, it was just right. basically like, mm. you know, uh, do we want to work together? Cause you know, like we see this in sort of teams we back, like there's people who, um, want to want to work together and will spend time to figure out 
okay, the main goal is to work together. What should we do together? And then there's people where it's like, oh, this is my thing. And I convinced my buddy to work on it with <laughs> me. But like, this is my thing. Like, I, this yeah. is what I want to work on. We yeah. started with more of the, okay, let's explore the space of working together, whatever shape that might take. And let's find if there's something that we're both equally excited about. Were there any areas of contention? Like, were there certain things that maybe, I mean, maybe well, you I'll tell you the most, for yourself. Like you know, I mean, were, I, the, 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 the thing that was, um, you know, most interesting to me was if we hadn't decided to work together, what we would have done uh, individually would have been very different. So it's mm. not like, oh, if we hadn't started Homebrew together, we were each looking to get into venture or something. Right, right. Um, he would have started a company. I mean, I know specifically what he would have, right. you know, what what company he would have worked on. And I was planning to basically take 2013 as sort of a like year of recharge. You know, I was gonna, I had some side projects going on I was gonna work on. I was gonna continue doing some angel investing and advising. I was gonna finally let people pay me to speak. You know, things that like, yep. you know, those ridiculous like, come to Brazil uh, and we'll pay you, yeah. you know, X to talk about or like this you know, podcast. the innovation economy. Uh, do I, I, thought, I thought you said I get a Chick-fil-A after <laughs> if I do a good job. Deal. <laughs> um, and so I, for me, what was most interesting was that uh, if left to our own devices, uh, we weren't gonna be on the same path. This was a deliberate, you know, sort of attempt to say, is there common ground in what we want to do next? And, um, you know, thankfully we found it. So the, so the second, that was month one. Right. Month two was like, okay, we're into this. There's a lot of, uh, uh, there are, you know, a significant number of shared goals. Now, so like, what should we, what should we do together and what shouldn't we do together? So we talked about whether we were, you know, I wasn't into the idea of starting an operating company. So that's mm -hmm. sort of like, um, dropped out. Um, and then once we started talking about, you know, sort of different vehicles to, you know, maybe help as opposed to do, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, we thought about studio models, hybrid, you know, incubator accelerator models, you know, pure investment models, investment plus advising, model, like everything. And at the end of the day, like we decided we didn't want to innovate on structure. Yep. Um, that we wanted to create the type of fund that we would have been interested in taking yep. money from. And that had for us a very specific set of criteria. And that's what we sort of designed homebrew around. So that was month two. We ended month two with a pretty good sense of what homebrew would look like. This was um, October, 2012. And then he gave me November to actually quit. Hmm. Cause he, you know, he had left Twitter. He was like, right. Hey, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in any rush, but like, I don't think, you know, like the last question for me is whether you actually will ever leave Google, you know? Right. And so, um, you know, when we, when we write the book, you know, years from now, I'll say, you know, he said, I'll give you the month to decide. And I'll say, I put my finger to his lip and I said, I don't need a month. <laughs> but in actuality, I think it took like 27 days. Right. <laughs> I went home for Thanksgiving, right. you know, with my wife. I talked to my mom who has always been the person who like gives me good career advice. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you, I think you should do that thing with Satya. Mm. Um, so Did I you consider anything else in the meantime? No. So, uh, okay, so you, you leave Google, you guys are all in, you have, you have a little bit of an angel record. I mean, you had been making some angel. Yeah, I made correct? about four or five investments a year for like the trailing four right. years, but it wasn't, it wasn't done with the notion of like, I'm building a track record right. or I'm trying out venture. It was more, I just got, you know, sort of so deep in video through the YouTube experience that I wanted to, I wanted to learn about other areas like, oh, mobile commerce. Like, I'm not going to learn much about that at YouTube, but that's an interesting area to me. Oh, I have a friend starting an interesting company in that space. Like, you know, let me invest ten to $50,000 type of stuff. Um, and I sort of assumed I would lose it all. I mean, in retrospect, mm -hmm. like, uh, I didn't, you know, but like, I wasn't doing it to try to index the hot YC companies mm -hmm. or try to prove that I was a good VC. I was just um, hungry to learn and, you know, uh, you know, thankfully, like, you know, like vesting Google and stock. working with smart people that you yeah, respect. Exactly. And, right. Exactly. I saw it as that perspective. Satya had a little bit of a track record at battery. Yeah, he had two go rounds. So prior to his Google experience, he had spent some time in venture like ninety eight to oh one okay. in sort of a more junior role out here in New York, like East Coast venture. Okay. Um, but his real sort of, you know, what ultimately helped from a fund raising perspective was he had spent four years at battery. And by the beginning of 2013, when we raised the first fund, was like, had put enough money to work and was far enough out of it mm -hmm. that like you could see real results and right. real returns. Um, right. You know, both sort of, you know, uh, uh, cash back, not just, you know, mm -hmm. good exits, not just paper. Um, and so um, I knew, 
I felt like I knew what I was getting into um, just because having been around the venture profession. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting when I think about it, you know, and I had, you know, people now say three and a half years in, do you like venture? And I sort of smile and I say, I don't like venture. I like homebrew. I don't like venture. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. generically want to be the seventh, ninth, 11th partner around a table um, because uh, I don't think I could do that right. as well as the folks who take that path. It's just like that stage and that dynamic isn't what I'm looking for right now. Um, but you know, I don't think I would have started a fund. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have started a fund by myself. I'm not a solo founder type. I like having a partnership. Yep. And in Sacha, besides the um, personal relationship and trust, which like, you guys know is so important to that dynamic, I had a very interesting, like, there weren't very many people like him in the sense of having had significant product experience and like legitimate venture experience. Um, I was worried, or I would, I imagine being worried that if it was like just me and another product dude right. or product gal, like, you know, oh, hey, we're figuring out this venture thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and if it was somebody who had sort of only been a, like a lifelong venture person, then all of a sudden it's like Hunter and the banker, you know, type right. of thing. Right. Um, and so in Sacha, I felt like I was going to get some mentorship hmm. um, while still having a true, you know, equal partnership and being able to, uh, uh, you know, live, live my values and live our values. You know, it wouldn't be like the junior guy and the senior guy. Right. Right. Even though, even though, like from an LP perspective, if you're going to judge us purely on, you know, have you deployed capital successfully in an institutional setting, like he checked that box, I right, didn't check right. that box yet. Right. When when he was at at Battery, had he been involved in in fundraising there? Did he have relationships with LPs, or or was he a little bit insulated from from that process? Um, he had exposure to LPs, but it was more from the like annual meetings right. than fundraising. Mm. Right. Um, and that exposure uh, did play a significant role in securing sort of our anchor investor. Right. Um, right. The uh, the rest of the institutional LPs, um, you know, that he didn't have pre-existing relationship with, but um, it was definitely, uh, you know, nobody was investing in us just because of, you know, purely... Uh, you know their battery relationship with him, sure. Um, but it it uh, it helped significantly. So you, so step one, create a badass partnership. Step two, um, you have a deck, and you oh have. Oh my a god! Plan. I look back at our deck. It's our and, deck is so bad. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. what? How? Walk walk me through a little bit in terms of like you guys are all in now, um, and you've committed long term to each other and to and to homebrew. Um, where did you where did you start? So we were um, we were fortunate. Uh, I think we raised at a good time, mm-hmm. one twenty thirteen. Um, early stage was uh, becoming better understood, but uh, LPs weren't necessarily overcommitted yet to right. that space. Um, so as in, there were lots of institutions that were looking for ways to invest in early stage, right, funds. and maybe had a you know. Um, you know, had sort of nominally said like, oh, we're going to have a new manager slot, you yeah. know, here. And yeah. it, d- it didn't solve the problem of, you know, sort of we were going to be a small fund and some LPs want, you know, some LPs would want to write large mm-hmm. checks or don't want to invest mm-hmm. in first-time partnerships, whatever. Like those were sort of, I'll tell you a little bit about how we thought about our funnel. Um, so I think we raised, you know, we it was sort of like a hundred days nominally from like beginning to, we did a single, cl- uh, I think we did a single close. Um, Which is and, very, very fast. I mean, a lot of funds, particularly first funds, take 6, 12, 18 Right, months, and right. with, especially with like, um, uh, we were, you know, lucky enough to get sort of um, exposure to and, you know, uh, commitments from, you know, LPs that have, um, you know, exposure to a lot of very other good funds. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, and I remember foundation, you that blog Yeah, post, yeah, 100, yeah, 100 days yeah. of fundraising. We've yeah. basically taken the approach that so long as we're not violating a confidence that our investors or our founders have put in us, we're, we're happy being pretty transparent right. about it. So, right. um, and then I, I think the thing that was under our control, though, um, that um, helped us, we've raised like we were raising for a company, is right. the way that I think about it, in the sense that like we had a process, we were 100% focused on fundraising, so we weren't starting to you know talk to founders and try to warehouse deals or things like that. We weren't starting to you know build a build a social media presence yeah. or whatever. Like we were fundraising, and in our mind, like this fund was going to get raised, mm-hmm. and um, so you know while trying to understand and be respectful of timelines and processes and getting to know one another, like we were always pushing the ball forward. 
And so the way that we started was basically with, um, we said, look, um, given, you know, that we're a new partnership and only one of us has venture experience and that type of stuff, like, let's start with um, a set of potential LPs that can come to this with a prepared mind. So he said, we only want folks who have already invested in early stage mm-hmm. um, and are looking to potentially put more capital work there. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not going to be, we're, we're not, not going to convince people. Them. We're not going to educate them. Convince them. We no. knew we wanted to be solely institutional. Um, and we only wanted to start talking with people that we could get a warm intro from one of their favorite GPs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can one of the other VCs introduce us? Um, and how do you know that those relationships were tight? Like, did you make, I mean, as in... The 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 VCs, I mean, we were, you know, sort of had a lot of friends in industry. Right. And so the people who we were talking to, I would say are all, you know, sort of, you know, exceeds expectations, significantly exceeds expectation performers, you know? Right, right, right. And right. so like so their LP should be happy, sure, you know? Sure, um, Even then though, I'll tell you, you know, like, and this is no, you know, every, every venture... Every GP-LP relationship is different. So we had some GPs, other VCs, who are, you know, I consider to be friendly, friends, and, like, who weren't as proactive in offering these introductions, either because, like, they're still early in their life cycle and, you know, don't feel comfortable yet kind of, you know, uh, uh, extending, you know, their relationship with their LPs, not out of sort of, you know, oh, protect it, that's our secret sauce, but, like, we're just trying to, you know, we're just trying to get them to re-up for the next fund, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Or, um, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, maybe we're taking a more sort of uh, uh, competitive notion of the space. So like, great, if you guys want to do this, see you out on the, see you out there. Like, we'd love to work right. with you, but like, right. we don't need another competitor, you know, yeah. type of stuff. On the flip side, uh, there were folks who were really generous and really helpful with their introductions. Um, uh, Chris Ock over at Lowercase, uh, the Freestyle guys, uh, Michael Deering at Harrison, like I'm, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but like um, folks that we'd known for a while in various capacities who, um, you know, uh, you know, vowed for you, who said these yeah. guys should be in business. Yeah. And look, yeah. like, you know, I mean, uh, those folks are going to get asked, you know, on diligence calls regardless, you know, oh, have you heard of Hunter? Have you heard of Sacha? So on and so forth. So we started with a list of 40. Um, that list immediately became 20 based upon like, here's who we are, here's what we're doing, here's our timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so 50% just gone, yeah. just on our first fund or whatever. Right. Just, uh, sorry, we don't yeah. do first funds. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. we're not making any new commitments yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, sorry for sub $100 million funds, we like to see a lead GP and yeah. like you guys are equal GPs or, you know, like sure. mm-hmm. where, where there are others who are like, oh, we don't like investing in single GP funds. You know, so it's like, there's just some folks who have religion, yeah. right? So we immediately go down to 20. So we have, you know, tw- then 20 start with like a first phone call or a first uh, meeting. Yep. Um, that kind of calls down to 12, you know. Just personality. Yeah, I don't think at that point we had like, it, it, that was all, uh, we hadn't excluded anybody. It was like eight, eight LPs who were kind of like, ah, based upon what you're doing, I'm not sure it's differentiated enough from like the exposure sure. we have or this sounds great, but, you know, would love to love to build a relationship and talk to you in fun too. You know, whatever it was, like, you know. Uh, you just didn't get a... a yeah, a, yeah. Vibe. I mean, we. for me, it wasn't like I, I wasn't... Um, it it was not emotional to, to receive a no because I was like, we're just telling you what we're doing and, yeah. you know, you got to be into this. Um, were you worried at all that that information would like filter out into the LP community in the sense that like, um, you know, a bunch of people are like, eh, I don't know. Those guys are kind of interesting, but uh, they I'll not, I mean, they talk or they don't talk. Yeah. Um, so two things happened um, that sort of impacted the process, um, both positively, I think. Um, one uh, that we participated in and one that we didn't participate in. The one we participated in was we uh, got an anchor commitment relatively quickly. Hmm. Um, I want to say it was sort of by, if we started like second week in January, I think like by before, maybe it was like third week in February, we got a pretty significant anchor commitment. How much time did you spend with that? You know, as much as they needed. It was the one that knew, it was a fund, it was a large fund of funds that knew Sacha from Battery. Okay. And so we met with them in person, they did their diligence, like, you know, um, but the, you know, the difference between somebody who's still like, you know, hanging around waiting to see if other people jump in the pool versus somebody who's like, we're in, you yeah. know, we're in, in a, you know, we're in minimally this. And if you need up to this mm. and, you know, 
And was that a dollar do- size or that was a percentage mm-hmm. of the dollar fund? size? Dollar size. Um, Depending on what the final fund size was, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. And what we needed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was great. Yep. And uh, that got the process moving. Yeah. And, and, look, and like I said, we were taking the mentality of like, this fund's going to get raised. So, you know, if you want to wait around to the second fund, that's fine. Like, um, no harm, no foul. But like, we're looking for folks who are going to commit to us right now and we'll be yep. loyal to those who commit to us. Yep. The second thing that happened, um, so I quit Google officially on, my last day officially was the 4th of February. Um, and I remember writing my sort of, you know, note to, like note to my team, like note to, you know, like internal, like, hey, it's been great. Um, in a way that was like, I assumed it was going to get leaked. That didn't get leaked, at least not initially. Um, but actually, uh, like within 24 hours, I think it's just a coincidence. Um, but within 24 hours, I get a voicemail um, of like, hey, uh, you should give me a call. Uh, Dan over at Fortune. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, who covers VCs. Right. And uh, a mutual friend like sort of gave me the heads up that like, oh, he has your doc. So like, as in, like, he has your he has fundraising our, documents. Yeah, yeah for like a 14 page PowerPoint. It's not right. the data room. Uh, it's not okay. this. It's just like a 14 page PowerPoint. It's your deck. It's basically. our deck. Yeah. Um, which I'm sort of like, huh, that's annoying. Cause, like, the only people who had our decks were LPs that we had warm intros to or our lawyers, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, somebody could have photocopied, like, but like, we weren't sending this thing around. It wasn't willy nilly. We didn't mail it off to LPs who didn't ask for, you know, right. who weren't introduced to us. So it was like, somebody mm. you know somebody's mm. you know a little bit loose right mm. um so knowing what it was and knowing dan and respecting him a lot um you know we've spent we've since you know spent more time together i'm like there's really only three things you can do you can call back and say hey please don't run this um but you know let's trade i'll give you a you know when you'll be the first to do right. whatever blah 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 and that person right. the reporter may say yes or no right, right. You can say, hey, I can't go on the record or anything because obviously, you know, fundraising, I can't, but like, you know, I can, do you want to give you off the record stuff? Or you can just sort of go silent and let the person mm-hmm. do what they're going to do. We chose to go silent because, uh, you know, uh, we had confidence that uh, there was nothing in there that we right. felt was so confidential. Right. I was officially out of Google and we had confidence that like he, uh, if there was the most sensitive stuff, he wouldn't put in. Like he just, and he wrote a nice little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so like it was out there. It mm-hmm. became like, you know, right. one of the like one of the best, you know, VC reporters and right. one of the largest publications essentially said, these guys are raising a fund, it's targeting X, you know, <laughs> da 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 da. So like what am I gonna, you know, so our LP is gonna talk? Like, yeah, then right. like, regardless. Hey, right. have you seen yeah, are they talking to you? Da 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 da, da you know, type type of thing. Yeah. So the fact that that happened three weeks into our raise before any, you know, before we had any commitments, before we even gotten like, you know, real nose from anybody, you right. know, was right. like, well, this fits in with our mentality anyway, which is like, we're fundraising yep. and we're going to get this done. Yep. And, you and know, screw it. Right. And we can't, we can't, we can't control all the right. different information flows. Yeah. And we're just, you know, all you can control yeah. is our confidence that like, this is going to get done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once we got that anchor, then that allowed us to start to sort of say, Hey, you know, we're looking for all, we're trying to, you know, get all the rest of our commitments by X date. We will spend, you know, as much time as you need. Here's, you know, all, you know, here's all the information ready to go. Talk to anybody, but like, we're looking for commitments. Yep. Yeah. And um, I think we ended up, I don't know, it's in the blog post. I think we, there was, uh, I think we got, we, we ended up getting one more commit, one more commitment than we decided to use like there was yep. one person who wanted to participate that we um, just wasn't sure it was going to be a great fit um, on our end so the you know the so obviously overjoyed right. that these folks right. wanted to take a, a right. bet on us right um, and you know I take a real sense of responsibility on a I think uh, I'll consider it successful when we return money to them I don't consider yeah. I don't consider raising money to be a success. Uh, B, um, I don't want to just sort of like be part of the mix. Like they have exposure to amazing funds that have done really well, like throughout the years, like when homebrews, you know, 
more mature. Like I want us to be, yep. you know, considered that group, not just like two nice guys with access to deals. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be good at what we do, um, you know, while sticking to sort of our values. So, you know, like uh, I want homebrew to be homebrew, not, you know, a 2.0 version of anybody else or a mini version of yep. Andreessen or whatever yep. type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so what were we looking for? The, the, the qualifying on our end besides, um, feeling like there was good, you know, communication, trust being established in the process. We wanted people who were purely rational in their investment thesis in the sense that they were giving us money to get money back. Mm-hmm. We didn't want folks who were looking for access to cool founders and to be in the flow right. in the valley. And, right. you know, we, we didn't want people who were looking, although uh, some of our LPs have been very enthusiastic direct investors alongside us in later rounds, we weren't looking for folks who were like look, using us for lead gen, yeah. either on the LP side or on the venture side. Like we didn't want to be, you know, large fund, you know, lead gen. Like, yeah. so we didn't raise yeah. money from other VCs, that type yeah. of stuff. We wanted people who we thought were, committed to the space greenfield and so long as we returned you know uh you know results amongst the, you know above their benchmarks you know every 3 years would re up with us yeah and so that's sort of that was our ask did you did you discuss that in in first meetings with with any of your L- prospective lps about you know the what what re-upping would or wouldn't look like, or if there was, you know, there are no guarantees. But, oh, of course. Yeah. But what the... I mean, know, I don't assume, like, I, I, you know, we're now two funds in, we'll raise our third fund probably in 2018 or so. Like, I, you know, everything's tracking well, but like, I never assume anything, right? right? So right. like, Sacha was always like, oh, with this kind of, with this quality of LPs, so long as we like are on the right trajectory, like, like they'll pro- they're probably in for two funds. Like we didn't, mm-hmm. nobody asked that, right? But mm-hmm. I'm right. like, I'm like, I, I don't believe it. You know, like, right. yeah. <laughs> I'll believe it when yeah. I see it. Like, you know, yeah. um, we didn't, I, I remember having those conversations more and just trying to understand like the, mm-hmm. so, you know, what's your venture strategy? You know, you know, uh, how do you decide, uh, you know, what data do you look for? And, you know, you're sort of, you know, the first funds with a new manager to, um, you know, support the hypothesis that this is somebody you want to be involved with for a long time. So, you know, it was, it was trying to under you know, allowing them to tell us what was important. Mm-hmm. Um, but with some of that checklist in our head. Right. Right. Yeah. What are their success criteria when it may be too early to have yeah. real, again, it was a self-selecting, data. I mean, it was a self-selecting group of people who both we started talking to and had gotten that far with us. So like, I think what we were looking for wasn't that different than, you know, what the, uh, other GPs who made those introductions. So I think we started, you know, with a group that was well aligned yeah. um, and just really, you know, then it was as much about like, you know, personal fit and, you know, sort of model risk, you know. Yeah. Um, Did you, a lot of, a lot of, um, we've had a few conversations recently um, with uh, VCs that have included a kind of friends and family fund alongside their fund. I think some folks called it an entrepreneur or fund or something like that. Did you did you so, do that in the first fund? And it because I know you said it's mainly institutional. Yeah. So we did a little bit, and this was actually one of our mess ups in when we did fund two. We didn't handle this the right way. So okay. we um, fund one. We originally intended to be twenty five, and as we talked with our LPs and did our portfolio model, we increased it to thirty five. Um based purely upon portfolio modeling. So we've always raised in I mean always in two funds. We've 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 both times raised less than we could have, but everything we thought we needed. Yep. Um we've also once we've um once there's been mutual interest with an LP, we've also try, we've also been very straightforward. We said, "Look, tell us your min and tell us your max." And like we're going to treat these numbers very seriously. You don't have to like gross this up by 20% mm-hmm. so that like, you know, when we Right. Give you a lower number, you're right. getting what you wanted. Like we we will work with fewer LPs, you know, we will we will take concentration risk yep. in order to make sure that you're getting a meaningful, you know, getting mm. what you want. And just um, to explain that, rather than in other words, rather than including ten institutional LPs, you'll maybe do five or six exactly, or seven. Exactly. Give them bigger allocations just as a show of good faith and exactly. support and be able to now that being said, um, and the risk there is that obviously if one of them drops out, it's more meaningful than one of 10. Exactly. Right. Um, now, you know, I mentioned earlier, like one of the things I think we did, you know, wisely, and at least it was at least the way we we're thinking about it was, oh, we're raising like we're raising for a company. Oh, and if we were raising for a company, like we'd have some of our friends on the cap table, right? Right. So besides the GP commitment, uh, we held back 
think what ended up being maybe like eight to ten percent of the fund okay. for uh, friends and family. So a few million dollars. Yeah, yeah, and spread that amongst um, you know the ecosystem, yep. including um, some VCs as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. But it was folks that we had a personal attachment to. It wasn't strategic. Yep. Um, some entrepreneurs, things like that. Um, I, I, I've participated. I'm an LP in other funds this way as well. Um, during my Google days, you know, they sort of relax the commitment Which other and funds? like. Uh, Can you say a few? A few. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, and that's mainly just same same type of deal. Friends, they give you an allocation you're yeah. excited to be involved yeah, yeah 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 it's never yeah. it's not that significant i mean yeah. i mean it's it's not uh it's not a large amount of money yeah uh in the scheme of things compared to their fund size yep um i and i don't uh, as opposed to the angel investments that i made i when i made those investments i didn't assume i would lose it <laughs> i assumed okay. they'd get me back my money right um so uh so we did that it was great um i mean to fast forward a little bit when we went to the second fund we basically eliminated that and we didn't com- like, we didn't communicate that, and we we didn't communicate it in a great way, and we handled it in a way that, in retrospect, was inconsistent with our values, mm. and um, it kind of pissed some folks off mm. uh, because it was it was I, we had not been thinking of it in the way of like, oh, you thought you were getting pro rata, right? And we didn't give you pro rata, right? We thought of it as like, um, hey, like for very real reasons, we're still a small fund, like managing these side things is really difficult. Yep. And like- And how many people was it? 20 or so right. maybe. Mm-hmm. And right. like, we do want to add some more LPs, institutional LPs, yep. and we don't want to raise the fund size that much. And so we need, we kind of need to claw back those dollars and stuff. And I think frankly, even if we were sort of proactive about that and explained it in that way, um, with each person like over the phone or in person yeah. versus kind of like, Email, you know, whatever, right, like, yeah, sorry, yeah, there's nothing yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things you just get in the heat of the moment and everything moves quickly once things come together. But um, it's it's something that Sacha and I regret from from sort of a relationship and conduct standpoint. Um, I don't know if we'd ever, I don't know if we'd do like an entrepreneur's fund, an operator's fund, a sidecar fund, and fund three. The reality is that unless you're, unless you're looking at that strategically, right? oh, this is going to help me from deal flow. This is going to help me. This is, you know, giving my founders who now have a little bit of money because some of them are successful, giving them a chance to invest in the fund, like whatever type of stuff. Yeah. It's really more of a pain in the ass than anything else when it's a small fund. When you're a large fund, like the large multi-stage funds totally set up these, you know, 100-person CEOs, you know, sidecar vehicle. It's a $50 million allocation out of a billion-dollar fund. Like it all works, yeah. you know, and, and you like, have and you have help from yeah, and you have a back office back and like office, all that right. stuff. Like, um, so yeah, so we held a little bit back. It wasn't the money we needed to get to our target. It, we could have gotten to our target purely institutional. We thought it made sense just from sort of like how we'd want to build. Yeah, um, we didn't do that to the same extent in fund two, um, and we handled it poorly. Mm-hmm. Um. Bring us through I the think f- all those people are now okay. Okay, good, good, good. good. Um, if not, you know, you know his Twitter yeah. handle. Um, uh, bring us through the fun two dance because we've been um, spending a little time with other VCs and LPs in terms of, you know, this. What do they always say? Odd numbers are hard, even numbers are easy. Is that right? <laughs> it was, I mean, hmm. so here's where we were because it's presumably pretty early in homebrews. Yeah. Life cycle. You have a little bit of data. Even earlier than we expected because well. fun one fun one ended up being sort of like a two year initial investment period okay. as opposed to three. So okay. uh remember I said we went from twenty five to thirty five? Right. Well, when we you know, our our model is sort of make eight to ten seed stage investments each year. We're playing sort of a lead or co lead role in that round. The like, you know, sell D fourteen, you know, on homebrew one's spreadsheet model thought that that meant a check of like 550 to 600. Mm-hmm. Um, 2013 and first half of 2014 saw uh, a significant increase in average round right. size for seed stage. And uh, many entrepreneurs were not taking additional dilution <laughs> for right. raising additional dollars. So all of a sudden you had, you know, two on six, you know, two on eight, you know, as opposed to like one and a half on four, mm-hmm. you know. And so our average check size uh, started to look more like 750. Mm-hmm. And so what was intended to be kind of 
a 25 investment three-year fund from an initial deployment cycle with sort of two-thirds reserved, we saw ourselves spending money faster than we intended. Not making more investments, but spending more money, more dollar per investment. So we sort of had our, you know, nine months in, we kind of had a gut check. We said, look, we, you know, we sort of, we didn't raise enough. So uh, we have three choices. We can become, uh, we're always, you know, semi-price sensitive in the sense of you're trying to figure out risk mm-hmm. reward, but like we can put a hard cap on like the check size we write or the valuation of a company and just be like, sorry, it's too expensive for us if it's more than X. That didn't seem to make sense because, you know, nobody goes bargain shopping, you know, uh, in venture. Um, we said we can... Um, Some do. Well, uh, taking a concentrated model sure. um, where we end up owning between like 8 and 20% of these companies, we wanted to make good choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I don't think we've paid highest, like we've never been highest term sheet, but, right. we'd, but we also don't want to, you know, bottom, bottom fish, mm-hmm. bottom feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, second, we said, oh, we can um, uh, just uh, cap the amount we write per company even if that means sometimes we're taking a second seat, we're not leading so and so forth. So we could change our strategy. So the first one was like, same strategy, just like put a ceiling on uh, companies, right. company right. valuation. Second one was uh, put a cap on check size, but sometimes give up ownership, give up right. lead position, right. that type of stuff. So change strategy. And the third was change reserves. Like go for like, let's not reserve anything. Let's reserve, yep. you know. We decided that really what we're trying to do, you know, during these first two funds was prove our strategy, mm-hmm. and which uh, meant uh, stay meant stay the course, uh, don't change reserves, don't sometimes t- lead, sometimes not lead. That's like weird for the marketplace, weird for our LPs. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's the minimum number of companies we feel comfortable investing in to get portfolio diversity and time diversity? Mm-hmm. Twenty mm-hmm. or two two years, two and a quarter, two and a half. And so we sort of went back to our LPs and we said, we're probably going to raise fund two six months earlier than we thought right. we were because of this. Um, and folks said, you know, yes, we agree with what, you know, okay, uh, not optimal, but, you know, not right. not fatal. Right. And we agree with your thinking here and we agree that you should try to prove out your strategy. Um, and so we raised fund two January, January and February 2015. Right. And started investing out of it like mid-summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're about a year into this fund. Uh, yeah, yeah, like five quarters. Yep. Um, five, 11, and so, so, and we went up from 35 to 50 million yep. because we're like, okay, that's what we need to execute our strategy. Our strategy is 25 companies per fund, mm-hmm. you know, plus or take, uh, over a three-year cycle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you project a similar increase in, in round sizes over that time? No. Um, and thankfully, uh, you know, things have, uh, are, are, yeah. Come back to earth a bit. Yeah. Like yeah. we, we don't, you know, there's a lot of data, you know, like backwards looking data that sort of says, here's what the average startup invest, you know, like the, I don't give a shit about the average startup. The average startup goes out of business if, you know, uh, because it's hard to build a company. If I'm an average VC, I go out of business. So Sacha and I try to think about like, you know, as best we can understand what, you know, the top decile of startups look like. And that obviously imperfect science. Um, you know, all of us are just trying to mm-hmm. figure out our own filters for what are type of companies that we want to invest in. But like, what are the trends that impact those types of companies? And uh, what we saw happening, and I think happens more, is like, when the rounds get much bigger, you know, than sort of, we need to be, you know, in the first $3 million raised. Yep. Sometimes that means we're the first dollar in. Sometimes it means, you know, folks like you have, you know, yep. led a, led a precede and we're following on. But um, once it starts being, if, if the round size has got any bigger, they're straight to A's. You know, they're either, they're either um, being, you know, led by multi-stage funds um, or, uh, you know, non-traditional seed, investors including strategics or whatever stuff are like coming in it just not a good fit for us so we're like if you know the average seed round becomes five million and it's and people are raising that you know with a deck you know and no traction like i I don't know like that doesn't seem sustainable and and obviously that hasn't happened um so what we um 
between the fundraisers, yeah. we sort of kept a list, a small list of the LPs who had told us no in fund one, right. um, but like legitimately put effort into getting to know us, not just mm. sort of the, you know, let me know if I can be any help, but like folks are like, I, I, I legitimately want to stay in touch. I legitimately yeah. want to try to be helpful. Yeah. Um, we also had, you know, once we sort of talked about what we were doing and you start to see that, you know, we're getting into some interesting companies, we had other LPs reach out to us. So the ones that seemed like interesting fits, we kept that list. And then we went to our current LPs and we said, look, like we're, you know, we're committed to, you know, you guys, you know, took the, took the bet on us. Yep. Um, we, you know, we aim to have, you know, have you in every fund and like, you know, you know, like the foundry guys have never changed their, you know, mm -hmm. their agreement. Like, like in the sense of like, you know, if we're the, turns out we're the best seed investors ever, we're not going to ask for more carry. You know, it's like, yep. we want to make this as simple as possible for everybody and win together. That being said, you know, we think it makes sense to add a few other LPs and we think you would agree with that too. Who should we talk to? And so same sort of like warm intro type of stuff, which um, has the benefit of, again, being walked into, you know, LPs with a prepared mind, has the trade-off too of though, like, uh, groupthink, right? In the sense of we increase the risk a little bit that, you know, they move in a, you know, in a, right, in a pack. move in a pack. And like, mm -hmm. if they get cold feet and, you know, mm -hmm. if subsets of them get cold feet in fund three, like maybe they're all in together, all not in. So we, we, you, we added some folks that came through like the current LPs and some folks that we had um, developed relationships with, but were known entities. Did you get commitments from the existing folks first before going and talking to new folks or you kind of ran that whole process? We started, we started um, having some conversations with new folks in the fall of 2014 mm -hmm. and basically um, fast forwarded. So what we did was we said, um, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna be totally open kimono, right? Here's everything, you know, here's the, you know, if, if we, if after one meeting, <laughs> yep. uh, cause we've kept in touch and so forth, after yep. one meeting, it seems like you understand our timeline, you understand what we're trying to do, you understand like, we're not gonna get to the end and you're gonna be like, oh, I thought I could write a $50 million check into your $50 million fund, you know, like, um, like we will, we will make everything as easy as possible for you. And we also yeah. started with a very small number, so we weren't gonna like, yeah. you know, we knew we only had room for, you know, two or three others. Um, and so what we did was we sort of changed around the order that some of these things typically happen. We had a meeting, you know, a, a formal meeting. Um, we gave them access to everything. Yep. And um, even in the, sometimes in that first meeting, we brought in our founders. We said like, talk to mm -hmm. who we backed, mm -hmm. um, which I think is always our strongest. Like, yep. you know, as we're trying to win a deal these days, if we can get a founder that we want to back to the stage where they want to reference check on us, that they want to talk to founders we've backed, like we will almost always win those deals, mm. no matter how competitive, because, mm. you know, like we've, our number one goal is to deliver, you know, mm -hmm. deliver to our founders mm -hmm. what we commit to. Um, so we basically got these indications of interest, and then we asked our L current LPs for, again, their ranges. Right. Um, knowing then that we had this puzzle piece, we're like, okay, we want to, again, give everybody at mm -hmm. least the minimum of their range. Yep. Then we go back to the other LPs and we say, here, what's your range? Um, and let's so you, you kind of, you created a little momentum in the sense that there was like an outside forcing function. Yeah. Well, we again had, degree. I mean, again, we were fortunate enough uh, that there was more interest than 50, there was more than $50 million worth of interest, but yep. we didn't want to increase the fund size. Yeah. You know, you guys, you know, we talk about, you know, we talk about this in the park in Brooklyn and stuff. Like there's a lot, you know, and we're all of the same era in terms yep. of starting our funds, right? I am continually um, shocked <laughs> that some new fund managers like don't do the math on what it means to increase your fund size in terms of what you have to return, right? right. Mm -hmm. So for us, like simple, simple venture math. For every $5 million we increase our fund size, we have to create $200 million of exit value, right? Minimally, wow. right? Because like, let's say we own 10% of a company, right. we were targeting four to five X, like you just follow the numbers, right? Yeah. So if, if I wanted to go from 50 million to 70 million, that's like a, you know, 800 million to a billion dollars of exit that additional. I need to create. Additional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To do what? To be able to do a few more deals, to collect more fees, to be able to like, you know, be like, yeah, now I've got a hundred million dollars under management. Yeah. Like you, you know, you can, you can raise 
you, you can raise an amount that's inappropriate for your strategy and your model very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think good LP is like, it's part of their job to say, don't raise anymore. Like, you yeah. know, you are putting your model at risk if you raise more, as yeah. opposed to like, oh, you've got a hot hand, can we get more in, you know, here, right? Yeah. So that's one reason why like Sacha and I, I think are always gonna be pretty disciplined in terms of fund size, because what we wanna do is- at know, what, what, what's, what, At what number, this is kind of an aside, at what number do you no longer consider it a seed fund? What, like total amount? Fund, fund size number. Like oh, well, above a hundred million, is that a seed fund? I mean, I guess. It I mean, could how many be, GPs, right? Right, it's, right. It's like how much money is a GP expected to put to work each right. year? Mm-hmm. Like, right. if Homebrew had, if if, if Homebrew had two hundred million dollars, and you know, and we were trying to deploy in three years, and we weren't raising with the notion of we're going to follow on in every round, like mm-hmm. you know, that's hard. But like, you look at the true guys, you look at the factory right. guys, like. Mm-hmm they seek to enter at seed stage. I mean, the true right. guys seek to enter at seed stage. They just also seek to own 20%, right? Right. Uh, I mean, this is what they say publicly. Right. right. Not, you know, revealing anything. Whereas, uh, and I'm sure sometimes they own a little bit less than that. I'm sure sometimes they own a little bit more than that. Um, we, you know, our average ownership has ended up being a little bit more around 11%. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're usually playing a sole lead or a co-lead mm-hmm. role. So we're putting in, you know, 500,000 of a million or mm-hmm. 750 of 1.5 or a million of 2.25. Um, mm-hmm. Always with a great syndicate. We always think like at that stage, it's better to get more smart people on the cap table than fight over 25 basis points of ownership. Um, but at the same time, like our time, to- you know, we need to concentrate our time and concentrate our dollars. So if we were a two, like, you know, um, we haven't gone into like strategic planning for our third fund yet, but I'd say like Sachin and I generally think that as a two GP two GP seed fund, it's very hard to imagine our fund size ever going up to a hundred million dollars. Right, uh, and like even that is just a nice round number. Like I don't, that's not a coy way of saying we're going to be ninety nine point nine. Like I just don't think that much money with two GPs. If we ever changed, if we added more GPs, if we changed our model, if we want to start entering at A, like that could be different. But the way our strategy is now, like. We just ask ourselves, how much do we need to raise to, to execute the strategy? And I don't yep. think it's, you know, I don't think it's double what we raised in fund two. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, so fund two, same thing, just to close that out. So yeah, um, again, like fortunate because we showed good momentum, like on paper, you know, we were doing well, you know, the channel checks were good, the market mm-hmm. liked us. But I sort of think like um, fund ones are like seed rounds, they get raised on like pitch and reputation. Mm-hmm. Fund two are like A rounds, momentum. Mm-hmm. Fund threes or B rounds metrics like right. okay you can't fake you can't fake heat anymore right right um, again we had a you know one or two wonderful L- new LPs that we wanted to get involved but we just couldn't make fit you know and stuff like it's it was a a wonderful you know wealth of riches again um, but I you know fund two and f- fund two is almost assuredly easier than fund three will be. Yeah. Right. Because fund three becomes that sort of, okay, are you good? Like, ah, nice people like you, you know, are you good? Oh, great. You know, you're, you're not going to return, you know, you're clearly doing something right. You didn't, the rocket didn't explode on the, on the launch pad, but how good are you? Yep. Are, you know, and, and is your money, uh, is that better than, you know, the, you know, the next fund that's starting up or the, you know, the guy spinning out of this or the two women who work together, you know, they're starting a fund. Like, yep. um, now the flip side is we started like, um, you know, at an age where it felt like there was a lot of LP capital and boy, three years later, yeah, there still feels like there's a lot yeah. of LP capital. Mm-hmm. Some of it is committed to the space. Some of it, I'm not so sure over mm-hmm. time, like mm-hmm. it'll come and go. Yeah. But like, um, there's just people, you know, a lot of people chasing yield and, yeah. you know, tech, you know, venture, Silicon Valley venture, like yeah. still has this notion of, you know, it's a place to get yield. Yep. Um, so we should, uh, I think we should wrap up. I don't know if you have any other questions. My my last question is just, how do you think about the future? Um, never both, been both, easier to become a VC, never harder to stay one. Well, so right. there were three, I personally think, you know, both we, for yourself and for a homebrew. I mean, you said you, one and the same. I think you like that. doing this. Yeah. yeah. So when I started, you know, I thought that they were, Sachin and I say we're in year three of a 20 year roadmap, right? Mm-hmm. Nominally, we've sort of, that's the way we've sort of thought about it to ourselves. Our, our switches are currently defaulted to no new GPs, no generational transition, no junior investment professionals. So in our mind, like whatever, I don't know, like we can figure out the math, but that's like, you know, that's a five fund firm or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like something like that. Mm-hmm. 
of course, we're going to reexamine those choices, you know, especially going to every fundraising cycle. And like, I don't, you know, maybe we want to, maybe we decide that we want to be, you know, something that lasts beyond the two of us. Maybe we decide that like, there's another person we'd really love to work with and all those things would change the dynamics. But, you know, from its most basic case, when Sacha and I made a commitment to one another, it was sort of this, you know, let's, let's, you know, Let's do this for 20 years. Let's try to not just get our piece of the pie, but let's, you know, conduct ourselves in a way where we think we're growing the pie and benefiting, you know, not just our companies, but can we do things that benefit entrepreneurship in general? Mm-hmm. Can we be community minded? Um, at a most like tactical level, the way I thought about it was there's three risks. There's three risks to, you know, doing this for 20 years, um, despite the tattoo. Um, one, okay, Hunter hasn't done this before. He has a notion of what this is, but will he actually like it? Risk number two, Hunter and Sacha get along fine personally, they're friends, so on and so forth, but like this is a different way of working together. Yeah. This is dynamic. And even though we have a great relationship, like partnerships are fluid over time, so mm-hmm. partnership risk. So there's like, you know, Hunter risk, GP risk, partner risk, and then the third is, are we good enough? Are right. we good enough to deserve doing this for 20 years? Um, three and a half years in, uh, we feel very confident about the first two, right? So like, I really enjoy this. I, I enjoy doing this the way we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy being judged by the outcomes, not the process, you know, like um, nobody cares that I, you know, put together a good deck to pitch, you know, right. like, you know, Larry on what my product should look like. Like at the end of the day, it's, you know, are we good? Right. Um, Sacha and I, um, I think make one another better and try to um, constantly challenge ourselves of, okay, so as a, collect, you know, as a partnership, what are our blind spots? How do we get better? How do we improve ourselves? How do we involve people outside the partnership in helping us do that? Um, and that's something we'll continue to need to invest in because, you know, partnerships change. The third thing, like I said, on paper, you know, we're very confident. Um, but every company that we invested in is either overvalued or undervalued at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think you can know mm-hmm. which, but it's all still very early. Yep. What we do feel great about besides, you know, sort of the the follow-on investments and the, you know, being able to sort of prove out our model is some of these founders we've now known for, you know, 1,200 days. You know, some we've known for 30 days, you know, right. some we've known for 1,200 days. After, you know, as we're making a decision about is this a good place to put our capital, um, we also ask ourselves, is this a team that we want to wake up every morning and put sweat and reputation behind? Mm-hmm. Um, and if the answer to that is no, we don't think it's fair for us to try to convince them to take our money. They deserve investors who can answer yes to that question. So uh, as a byproduct of that, you know, we've been able to answer yes to that to every investment we've made. And I think we are, I think we are very good judges of people. Um, we have, we've, we've backed founders who have not just the uh, aptitude, but the attitude to build a company. Yep. They're doing it consciously. Um, they are building things that have real revenue. Um, they're constant. Anytime they raise a round, they're asking themselves, do I want to ever raise capital again after this? Or should I, you know, do I, will I need to raise capital after yeah. this? Or can I get to profitability on this and then have the option of raising capital? So people, you know, not many of our companies got out over their skis right. from evaluation standpoint, stuff like that. So I feel good about the, you know, sort of, the strength of character and the strength of company and the survivorship in the portfolio, but it's still very early. And ultimately, you know, you're an investment manager and a salesperson, right? And those, that investment management can be summed up, you know, in a number. And at the end of the day, those numbers, you know, get compared to benchmarks and get compared to, you know, one another. Um, And that doesn't mean it's a zero sum game. And that doesn't mean that like, if that's all this was about, that I would have opted into this career path. But, you know, it's something that we intend to be, you know, as good at yep. you know, as we yep. are um, sitting down with our founders and giving them as advice as we are, you know, writing a blog post, you know, yep. as I am, you know, snarky tweeting at you. <laughs> true, true. Um, Hunter, well, we, we have a hell of a lot of respect for what you guys do at, at, at Homebrew and um, really appreciate you spending an hour with us. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks for taking great. Time. Like I said, you know, there's a, a lot of good stuff going on in the ecosystem, and you guys are surely part of it. Appreciate it. This podcast was created by Nick Charles and Alex Lines, partners at Notation Capital. Notation is a pre-seed venture capital firm. 
We invest in amazing technical teams in New York at the infancy of an idea. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. We'd like to thank Silicon Valley Bank for sponsoring Season 2 of Origins. At SVB, the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors, its experts help innovators, enterprises, and investors move their bold ideas forward. Tap into the experience and connections of the Silicon Valley Bank team for advice on strategic, operational, and tactical issues, and limited partner insights. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC. If you liked this episode, please share and remember to tag it with hashtag OpenLP. We'd also like to thank Ben Glawe, who is our amazing audio engineer. You should work with him. You can find Ben on Twitter at visible underscore sound.